Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhouse, and writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. We got great news today. We do. Uh, why don't we start with the news, and we'll, we'll go geographically, as I so often like to do. Uh, <laughs> let's start down in Sturgeon Bay, and uh, we'll work our way north up the peninsula. So first off, what's going on in City Hall? Well, a few things. Last week, we talked a little bit about the West Waterfront plan that got unveiled on July 16th. This week in the Peninsula Pulse, I wrote a column kind of in praise of the strong word, but in appreciation for the tone of the meetings of late and um, why that might be. I talked to Mayor David Ward a little bit about there's a bit more congeniality, maybe is the way, in City Hall. I guess it seems like less animosity amongst the council members. Now, part of that is because some of the old guard is gone and maybe there's a little more cohesiveness with the new council than there was before. It was a very staunch split before. But part of it is I think there's just ways that the meetings are operating. And you've heard me talk about this before, how they kind of have shunned input from the audience. And it was very kind of my way or the highway approach to the meetings from former mayor Thad Birmingham. David Ward has been a little more inviting. He seems better at explaining why he's making decisions and how he's running the meeting and what the rules are at a public meeting like that. To put it bluntly, without sounding like he's talking down his nose at you or without using sarcasm, which is something that's been very common since I've been covering this for the last three years. And it changes the tone a little bit and it stops people from having these kind of sarcastic shouting matches. Well, and it seemed maybe a little bit like the meetings were opening up a little bit more and that there was more public input going on. Uh, we talked again about the West Waterfront, that that seemed to be like the first new bastion of that style of running the meetings where it's like, hey, here's something that's very collaborative and very open and we're going to have public hearings and all of that kind of stuff. But it's not all green pastures when it comes to the West Waterfront, right? No, at the same time, I remember last week uh, when we talked about this and you said, hey, we're moving forward. I said, Maybe. <laughs> and sure enough, at the same time that there's general praise for the West Waterfront ad hoc planning committee's efforts and coming back with their plan for rearranging that waterfront and really coming up with kind of a compromise plan. Meanwhile, it's clear that the city is also working parallelly to go back and keep fighting on that ordinary high water mark, which I guess the main reason you would still fight for that is because still trying to get a big hotel in that spot. What, what was the last ruling on the ordinary high water work? Basically, the city and the DNR and the Friends Group agreed on a location for the ordinary high water mark on the west waterfront, below which no commercial development could occur. That line was pushed way back, even from original settlement proposals, way inland, and really put a huge chunk of that property undevelopable. Uh, that's basically the, been the the ruling and groundwork under which the West Waterfront Planning Committee was working, assuming like we can't do anything besides like possible maritime or, or watershed kind of development on that waterfront. Meanwhile, Dan Williams, in a letter sent to the judge who has been 
involved in this case, he has encouraging him to rethink that, basically saying the previous council made a bad decision by agreeing to do this, and the current council does not agree with that. And also the, the city administrator has sent a letter kind of iterating that same thing. I don't know how, if I'm a judge, I don't know how I would take this. You know, you can't make rulings based on, well, it's a new council, so I'm going to change my ruling. But that's kind of what they're asking them to do, is saying, well, the last council was wrong. They shouldn't have agreed to that. And every time you think that the council and the city is moving forward and taking a step toward togetherness, there's something going on in the background taking it another direction. And just like I said, at that last meeting, Gary Nault brought forward a bunch of motions that were not able to be acted on because it would have been against open meetings law for them to act on any of these. But a bunch of motions to like back out of that agreement or to change the agreement with the friends group and things like at the same time that there's this general sort of, hey, I like that plan. Let's tweak it. Let's keep working on that. I don't know how this goes to public hearing now, knowing that there's another group that's just already trying to like forget that plan. We want the ordinary high watermark brought down and we want to go back to our previous plan. So just so that I have the timeline straight. Uh, there was a controversial hotel plan for the West Waterfront. Uh, all sorts of stuff happened. Then the DNR put the high watermark where it put it. Then the ad hoc committee came out and put forward their new plan, which if you haven't seen or haven't heard about, you can either listen to us talk about it in last week's podcast or if you go on the Door County Pulse Facebook page, I uh, put together a short video. It's less than a minute long, but it shows you the plans and everything that you might need to know about what the plan is actually proposing for the West Waterfront. In, in a short areas. nutshell, you get a pretty decent idea. Right. There's also an article on DoorCountyPulse.com that kind of goes in detail about it and shows the plans, the renderings that are there for it too. Ad hoc committee presents that plan. Everything's great. But now there's a group that's like, well, maybe we should go back to the watermark and try to reverse that and get that hotel built. Yeah. And I don't think they did that after the plan. I think this has been in the works continuously, kind of a back channel approach, which is a shame because that ad hoc waterfront committee whether you like the plan or not, they've done hours and hours and hours of work. And they also got the whole granary moving back to that property thrown at them in the mix of this. So they're trying to step forward and do good work for the city. And the previous council votes to, nope, you're going to have this granary, like it or not, basically, like, it's coming. And so they're like, okay, we're going to work around that. And meanwhile, to find out that they have another section of the new council also working to undermine the plan, I'd be pretty frustrated. I just don't understand how it's not possible to call for a public meeting and be like, we need to figure this out. And how the people staunchly in favor of hotel can't say like, you know what, maybe it doesn't have to be that, but what else could it be? They can't even get to that. And how the people staunchly against the hotel can't conversely say like, maybe it needs to be some sort of hotel, but maybe it's something different. There's a way to do this. Communities all over the world do this. Like, certain is just stuck. And yeah. It, it's almost like there's a word for it or like, a, like you could compromise. And you could maybe try to find something that's good for everybody rather than yeah. being like, you know, let's do it my way or your way. Let's do it both ways. What's frustrating is as somebody covering it, you go week to week and you follow the ebbs and flows. And each time you write something, you're like, oh, here's news. Here's something happening moving forward. At this point, you almost start to stop wanting to cover each ebb and flow because you don't want to give people a false impression and, and say like, well, this is settled, but it's not because you can't speculate when you write these articles. You're trying to put the accurate version of what has actually been quoted and said and officially done. Meanwhile, knowing somebody might come up with a lawsuit on the side at any moment, it's, it's a really hard, you're like, what, what value am I doing covering this? Like, it'd be like writing a report on a years-long argument between a couple. Yeah. Like, 
and like sure. covering a relationship on a day-to-day basis and just reacting as if like each day was a summation and that was moving towards something when all it is actually is just like a continuing screaming at each other argument that will never end. Right. Well, maybe that cordialness that you had talked about in the beginning will will prevail. Yeah. And there will be some steps taken. On, yeah. Like I said, on the flip side, that is nice to see. And maybe that's moving something closer to that. But who knows? Uh, let's move on. Still in Sturgeon Bay, the, the Tall Ship Festival is coming up this week. Yep. Next week. Um, should be sailing through on Tuesday, coming back from Green Bay on Monday, and then docking in Sturgeon Bay, and then sailing through the canal on Tuesday over to Algoma. Uh, there's a big insert in the Pulse that you can get all the schedules and all the information, a map, some great viewing areas to check it out. Uh, it is really cool. Over the years, Len Villano and Dan Eggert, a couple of local photographers, Dan Eggert used to be for like the first 10 or 15 years of the Pulse, the Pulse photographer did a great job. If you ever go to the Boathouse in Sister Bay, the Boathouse restaurant, a bunch of his cool photos of these ships coming in one year in the fog makes it especially cool. Like mm-hmm. these old classic ships coming through the fog into the canal. Um, and Len Villano's got a lot of great photos. It's If you're a photography buff, it's one of those things you definitely want to check out. If you're just a maritime history buff, it's really cool. If you like big things, you should go. Yeah, if you like, like big stuff coming through the canal. Right, because like in Dark County, like we know boats, we see them every day. And like, especially if you're in Sturgeon Bay, the, the big ships down there, the thousand footers, those aren't necessarily, you know, eye grabbing anymore because they're, you're around them all the time. But when you get really up close to ships of that size, it changes. Like even the thousand footers when you're right next to them yeah. are incredibly big. Wow, that is like a floating village. <laughs> yeah, it's humongous. And then these tall ships are really cool, not only just because of their size, but uh, the sails, the designs, all of that type of stuff is really, really cool. It's maybe one of the closest things to like having a time machine because two different times come together because it looks like, oh, an armada is coming through or something. It really does give you like this this different feel and a, an idea of like, wow, this w- might have been a scene you might have seen 150 years ago as somebody comes and explores this area. So it's very cool. Sponsored by Nicolay Bank, uh, which is cool, just bringing something like that into the county. They will dock in uh, Sturgeon Bay, and there will be a docence by each of the nine vessels to kind of explain the history of it and give people an idea of what these ships are all about, where they came from, uh, how they operate, that kind of thing. Cool. Why don't we uh, move north? We'll go to Sister Bay. We have some pretty cool information about... Pebble Beach. So the story broke today as we're recording it. This is Thursday. Pebble Beach was sold. Yeah. I mean, technically not finalized. They've entered into an agreement where the village of Sister Bay and the Door County Land Trust are collaborating to purchase Pebble Beach and then it will be turned into a hotel. Yes. They're going to know. Don't scare anybody. But this is the great news. It's likely not going to change at all. Yeah. except it will be public now. I mean, a lot of people have enjoyed Pebble Beach for years. In actuality, only a small sliver of it was public. The rest of it was private, owned by the Luber and Downey families. And they had, for decades, just kind of allowed people to enjoy it until about the last 10 years. A lot of people started taking advantage of it, stealing bucketfuls of rocks off the beach, and leaving their garbage behind. And eventually the Luber family and got sick of picking up after people and had to put up a sign and a fence that said private property keep out knowing some of those people i know that's not like what they really wanted to do but it was just nobody wants to go pick up other people's trash and they've been paying taxes on it all these years without developing it well now they had put it up for sale for 3.6 million dollars there is some 
plans moving forward to run sewer and water to that property, to subdivide it into individual parcels for condominium development. And that seemed to be the way it was going. The village of Sister Bay didn't have a, a lot of spare cash lying around after doing all the work they've done in the village for the last 10 years. And it seemed like nobody else was going to step forward. But all that changed today with the land trust announcement that they have committed to raising $500,000. They need your donation. So if you, if you, if you got a spare 500 grand, call them up. I'm sure they'd be looking for that. If you have a spare $5, call them up and contribute. If you love that property. If you aren't familiar with Pebble Beach, this is not the golf course PGA plays on. This is a better place. This is in Sister Bay, next to Fred and Fuzzy's restaurant, 600 feet of shoreline, basically untouched throughout history with any development. And you can access it on Little Sister Road, which goes by Little Sister Cemetery. And it's just this soft stone beach that, that has been like a hidden gem. I have kind of refused to talk about it or write about it in my time at the Pulse because I don't want to be the guy who gave it away. Right. It reminds me a lot of uh, Schoolhouse Beach on Washington Island. Very similar to Schoolhouse yeah, Beach. Yeah, so if you've ever been up to Washington Island and you love that beach with all of the smooth stones, we have one on the peninsula. You know, it's been kind of tucked away a little bit, and now it potentially will be uh, preserved and public for everybody to enjoy. Yeah, you know, even if, if you're a boater, you know, anybody on a pontoon who rents out a Sister Bay or something, you probably boat into that and check it out and anchor there for a while, jump in, and it's just this incredibly beautiful spot, and it will now stay that way as long as they raise the money. Breaking down the funding of it, so it was for sale for $3.6 million. It's assessed at $3.37 million, so it's pretty close. Then the land trust got a call from several people, and I might have been one of those people who called and said, like, hey, you should look into seeing if you can go in on this property Is there's a way for the land trust to be a part of this. And at first, it seemed like the price tag was way too high. They got calls from other people. There's been a lot of call for someone to do something. And then kind of conveniently, the land trust gets a call from the Wisconsin Department of Administration saying, do you have any projects that are shoreline projects? Because we just had one fall through and we have a million dollar grant available that runs out in September. If you have something that it might apply to, let us know. And they're like, well, it just so happens we have this Bevel Beach parcel. So with that grant, they start working in earnest and they start talking to the Luber family and the Luber say, well, if it's going to be preserved as is, as close to its natural state as possible, we'll lower our asking price. So they go out and they lower it to $2.4 million. So now you got it at 2.4, a million dollar grant from uh, NOAA, N-O-A-A, and now you got it down to 1.4 million. So now the village of Sister Bay and the land trust are talking. It's like, it's 1.4 million. How can we do this? Land trust commits to raising $500,000. So they are raising in earnest right now, trying to fundraise for that for the closing in mid-September. And then the village of Sister Bay committed to $1 million themselves so that they're hoping to get through other state grants like the Knowles-Nelson Stewardship Fund. Seems like a very ideal way to do it. And if they don't, they're committed to it. They either will foot the bill or they will also raise private funds. I'm guessing that'll be a part of it no matter what. And as Chad Kanako said, after this, we'll have a little interview with uh, Chad Kanako and Denise Berto, two village board trustees who are very big proponents of this, uh, explaining their thought process and everything. But they, they said, we, we hope to just keep it as is. So once we buy it, it's not like, okay, now we got to figure out what to do with it. Like the idea is 
keep it low key, keep it pristine, and give it to the people of Door County. Great. Uh, you you alluded there a little bit to the interview that we're going to get into right here after the break. But uh, who did you talk to? And, and tell me a little bit about the interview before we break and then jump right into it. Yeah. So it's Denise Berto, who owns uh, Berto's Gas Station up in Sister Bay, and Chad Kadako, who owns part owner of Rent Door County and Husby's Food and Spirits. So two business owners in the village who are also on the board of trustees, just very big proponents. They know like what that property means. You know, so often we do, and I'll explain this, I go into more depth on this, but we do a lot of things for tourism purposes, for economic pur- purposes. This is a, a chance where they're like, this is a really important to locals. And yes, it's important to visitors too, but this is a property that has an emotional tug to a lot of local residents and workers. And we'd be remiss if we didn't take a stab at seeing if we could figure out how to preserve this. And that's kind of where they came from um, in this effort. And it's, you know, for people who live in Sister Bay, it's been a place where they get away whether you're working a long shift and you've got an hour that you can get down to the water and not go to like the really swamp public beaches, sand beaches, and just kind of, it, it is really a serene place. It's like Schoolhouse Beach, but with kind of fewer people most of the time. And I know by publicizing this, there might be more people going up there and checking it out, but it's going to be maybe expand some parking there with what I've heard talked about is very low-key, permeable, not big developed parking. It's a 17-acre parcel, actually. So there's actually a good chunk of land in there. And as you walk through it, it, there's some ridges and swales. It's a pretty cool property. I had always gone and just hung out at the beach and gone swimming and finally walked through the property recently. And it's beautiful back there. It, it is really a kind of a special, unique spot tucked right into the edge of Sister Bay. Great. Well, it's awesome to hear that there's a chance that it will be preserved in perpetuity as it is and that people who have enjoyed it for years will get to enjoy it for years to come. Uh, With that, why don't we take a break? And then when we come back, we're going to jump right into your interview uh, that kind of fleshes out the story a little bit more. All right. Thank you, Miles, And I'll see you again next week. Yeah. Have a great weekend. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackin Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. All right, I'm Miles Danhausen here from the Peninsula Pulse, and in the pod closet today with me are Denise Berto from the Village of Sister Bay. Denise, thanks for joining us. Good morning, thank you, Miles. And Chad Kanako from Husby's in the Village of Sister Bay as well. Good to see you, Miles. Um, both of our guests today are Sister Bay business owners and our trustees for the Village of Sister Bay, and we're here today to talk about a really cool project. Anybody who's lived in Northern Door or probably worked summers in Northern Door is familiar with the Pebble Beach property, and hopefully not a lot of other people are familiar with it because we've tried to keep it a secret as locals here for a long, long time, but enough people have found out. And maybe, Denise, you'd be the one to run us through 
what is happening with this property? Well, I guess I'll start by setting the stage. About a year ago, the owners of the Pebble Beach property, the Luber and Downey families, announced that they were putting the property up for sale for $3.6 million, as well as in a separate parcel, Fred and Fuzzy's restaurant and the Little Sister Resort. Uh, when that was announced, it uh, really concerned a lot of locals, a lot of people kind of up in arms about losing one of those last really beautiful, pristine shorelines in that Sister Bay Northern Door, Door County area, and really one of a lot of people's favorites. And then at the time, there wasn't a lot of support for municipalities purchasing that property. And maybe take us from there, like what the scene was, what the reaction was, and what has happened since. There was very little discussion either at plan commission level or the village board when that property came up for sale. A lot of times when um, somebody is selling a piece of property that they think would be valuable or important to a community, they will come and talk to that community. Um, We never had that contact with the owners of this property. So there was discussion or maybe not discussion, but uh, questions by different people. Well, you know, don't they want to sell it to the village? Aren't we interested? And that was about as far as it ever went. And then after that, probably about a year goes by. Not a lot of movement, not a lot of talk, other than the property owners coming forward with different plans to run sewer and water to the property, to subdivide the parcel, and different preliminary ideas for condominium development on that property. It seemed like the most likely thing that was going to happen there would be some sort of condo development. Is that, am I accurate in phrasing it that way? Somebody representing um, the families, I don't know if they were the real estate people or just consultants, they came to the plan commission and what they had presented was some single family homes right on the waterfront. Probably about 15 years ago was my best guess, give or take. Um, The village of Sister Bay was very aware of the interesting aspects of that piece of property and we incorporated into the village zoning code a ridges and swales to if there was ever any development on that parcel, that those ridges and swales would be protected. So not that it couldn't be developed, but there were going to be many hoops to jump through and guidelines to follow to keep it as intact as possible. Okay. And so this group of people that came to the plant commission was just kind of feeling out this is what they were thinking of doing, how they would market the property to potential buyers, And they realized also that they would have to do some engineering and come up with different reports on the ridges and swales and how they would protect it. And then we just kind of didn't hear back from them for quite a few months. Okay. I should step back. Shortly after this property came for sale, Chad, I remember sitting down on Pebble Beach. uh, We were on a mutual friend's boat. Yeah. Andrew. (laughs) That's that's how I roll in boating world. I find friends with boats. and. We're just sitting out there talking, plotting and planning. How do we do this? How do we? How do we? How do we present this? Yeah, I remember it. It was a great day. Because as you're sitting there on the water there, and you're looking at that beach, you're going, I can't imagine this just being carved up and not being available for people to, to just lounge like we were doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have memories from that place. I mean, my family memories go back generations of that place. That you know, when they grew up in Ephraim, that was their beach, and. To have something there that isn't what it is now, it would have been heartbreaking to a lot of people, and it, it just wouldn't have been right. Wouldn't have felt right. On the flip side, the village Sister Bay doesn't have a lot of cash to throw around. so We have zero cash. <laughs> um, Good credit, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you go back to 2007, the village buys the Helms Four Seasons property for about $5 million. A couple of years later, buys Al Johnson's boutique property for about $5 million. 
all told between village improvements, waterfront improvements, bearing power lines, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 15 to 20 million dollars invested in downtown infrastructure. Okay, let's be closer to 15. 20 sounds horrible. Closer <laughs> to 15. All right, we'll, we'll round down. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people are saying, well, the village should buy this, but you guys are kind of tapped out when it comes to just willy-nilly buying property. And it's harder to sell this than it was maybe for the waterfront because the waterfront, you can tie that to development and to economic purposes. How does how do you do to, as village board members, look at this property and what options you might have given that I'm guessing neither of you want to see it suddenly developed into commercial reasons and get a commercial buyback. So maybe, Chad, what's well, what was your I, thought? We haven't really had any discussions on it, but I think really the, the thought is to keep Pebble Beach the way it is, not develop it, not add much. There's limitations to what we can add, I believe. Denise knows a lot more about that. Right. The village will enter into a conservation easement with the land trust at some point in time on what we both agree to on what we can do, what we shouldn't do. But my personal opinion, and I'm only one board member out of out of seven, is I think it should remain in its natural state as pristine as possible. Personally, I am not interested in putting a parking lot in, putting bathrooms in, putting picnic tables out there. I think it has just been this beautiful, quiet, serene place that many people go, locals and tourists that have discovered it. And it should just stay that way. I understand that there are some people who think that if you're going to purchase a piece of property, that you should enhance it and let people use it in all of its glory. Well, I think its glory is just the way that it is. Much better put. <laughs> and Chad, you, you said something similar to me. I, th I thought it was a great line, like doing nothing with this property would be doing a lot. Yes, exactly. In our discussions, the thought is that as a village, you know, we, we are behind the eight ball a little bit, and there is a need for development to have us meet our debt obligations. And, and we're all aware of that. None of us really fight that. But the idea that doing something there would make that property better, it's just not right. Uh, leaving it the way it is is the right thing to do. And doing nothing is the best thing to do. Door County's got a lot of shoreline, almost 300 miles of shoreline. Mm -hmm. What makes this property so special? You know, you tell us what makes it special <laughs> for you. Everybody has their own story. Uh, my aunt got engaged at the age of 18, which is pretty young. But back in the 50s, that was probably a lot more normal. And she lost her engagement ring there. And she was devastated, of course. Imagine being 30 and engaged and losing your ring. You'd be devastated. Being 18, being that young, she was devastated. My grandmother, who is the reason I live in Door County, and she is definitely the biggest influence of my life spent hours going through those pebbles to find that ring, and she sure as hell found it. <laughs> yeah. That's She's amazing. A t she was an off-the-boat, tough German lady. That yeah. is pretty remarkable. And back then, you probably really needed that ring. Like, going out and just buying another one, probably not. <laughs> not an option. Not an option. I don't think Uncle Ken had the extra money. <laughs> what about you, Denise? Why do you think it's such a special property? Why is it worth taking the efforts? Sister Bay, the village, is putting a $1 million guarantee toward this. Correct. With the hope of getting grant funding... Through for, the Knowles Nelson Stewardship Fund, yes. And then, and if that doesn't happen, you're on the hook for we it. We are on the hook for $1 million. Either to fundraise from private donors or the village comes up with it. Correct. What makes this a $1 million property? What makes it worth that risk? It's uniqueness in the county. Um, granted, most of Door County is on the Niagara Escarpment. And out of the escarpment, this is even more precious because of the ridges and swales. 
And because it has such a long history of locals going there and having very personal connections to that property, I'm hoping that when this becomes public, that people are going to be overjoyed with this. And uh, someone pretty wise said to me, earlier this week, and I think that was you, Miles, uh, that development should occur where it makes sense. And that is what we have been doing in downtown Sister Bay in a commercial district um, where there is supposed to be higher density and different businesses. And this is off the beaten track. And that's what would allow us to preserve something very different. I hope that People will come on board with our decision. And on that note, you know, Pebble Beach really only had how many feet of it public? I mean, do you know that, Miles? You it's probably know about me. 20 feet. 20 yeah. feet. And, and granted, liberties are taken and property owners have always been pretty generous, which is great. But the idea that we get 600 feet of it now yeah. for the people forever, your kids and grandkids and beyond, you, how do you put a price on that? Nobody's got to feel like they're trespassing anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that uh, private property sign can come down. And that's one of the things I love more than anything else in Door County is when a private property sign on the waterfront comes down. You know, there are other places that have figured this out and figured out ways for people to have access, but people still own shoreline. All of Oregon's coast is public shoreline. You can walk the entirety of Lake Geneva around it Mm -hmm. through people's backyards, and there's just kind of a mutually shared agreement. And the Lubers and the Downies, for a long time, were probably the closest we came to that in Door County in that and maybe the Alpine Resort for a long time, too, where that essentially acted as the public beach on private property. But they have allowed people to sit on that beach for decades and have left that undisturbed. They never built on it, which is pretty remarkable. But then roughly five to ten years ago, that private sign went up in part because people were starting to leave trash on the beach. And, and they just said they just got tired of cleaning up after people. Um, now that comes down, you know, one of the things that the village can do is probably put in a couple of garbage cans so people can learn how to use trash cans <laughs> and pick up after themselves. That I think we can all agree on for sure. <laughs> you know, from, you know, speaking of why that property is special, I think we preserve a lot of property in Door County and, and it's one of those undertold stories that I should even do more telling of myself. There's more protected waterfront in Door County today than at any time since probably the white man first got here 125 years ago. There's more public access. Gills Rock opened up. Sister Bay opened up shoreline. Bailey's Harbor has opened up shoreline. Clay Banks, the land trust down in the Ship Canal Preserve. And this is another opportunity to do that. But probably few of those places are more important to people's memory because a lot of them are somewhat tucked away and they've been private property for a long time that people haven't accessed. Pebble Beach is a place that a lot of people have emotional ties to, either by boating in there, going to Fred and Fuzzy's, or trespassing gently on the Luber and Downey's property there. So it's something for locals as much as anything else. A lot of the things we do from public investment standpoints are all about driving tourism. They're all about getting an economic return and, and revitalizing communities. And this is an obvious thing we should just save. So it's a, it's a kind of a different take on preservation than we've seen. For someone who worked long days in the industry, and anybody who works for you, Chad, um, surely knows, and Denise, you used to work for me at Husby's way back in the day. You've done those grinds. When you have two or three hours off and you just need a break from all the people, Pebble Beach is that place where you go for that two-hour break between shifts and then come back without the throngs of people that there are at some of the other beaches. It's really served a unique purpose for the common service worker up here, I think. Maybe I'm overstating that, but that's kind of how I've always seen it. I think you're right on, and maybe you shouldn't release this podcast so more people don't find out about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I personally have never, I don't think I've ever written about Pebble Beach 
for strictly that reason, because I think Adam Beaver would club me in the back of the head if I had. But now I have to. It's good news. But hopefully it doesn't become too popular. There's also historical significance there. That's the original sister base settlement, 1854. That was probably like there became a competition a little bit of like, where is it going to be? But the first spot to have a pier and to start to develop was the Pebble Beach area until a ship came in and everyone got sick. I forgot which disease it was. But all but one member of the crew was killed, and that's how Little Sister Cemetery was built. That's where they buried a bunch of them. And people just said, you know, maybe not here. This is either they thought the ground, like that area was diseased, or they just felt like it was cursed. So then all the focus moved up to Sister Bay proper. So there's a little historical significance to that area as well. Never knew that. It might have been Fuzzy. He's been around a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuzzy Suntrim got off that boat. He was a survivor. <laughs> he poisoned him to keep him away. <laughs> He's like, I want to open a restaurant here yeah. 140 years from now. I can see that happening. Um, and, you know, it's getting a little stuffy in this pod closet. So is there anything else we need to mention about this property? What should people expect moving forward before you guys get sweated out of this thing? This probably isn't going to answer that question, but I just want to make a comment just on on this village board for the ones that aren't here, uh, you know, everybody kind of took a chance on this thing and it's pretty cool to work with this board. You know, we read about other communities and we hear things that you guys report about. And, you know, they started a vision for Sister Bay decades ago and they always were, uh, in my opinion, looking outwardly, they were moving in a direction and you didn't have to agree with everything, but in general, it's moving this way. If you don't like it, great, go somewhere else. And I like the way Sister Bay has been moving. It's really nice to work with these people. I'm proud to be making this decision on behalf of the residents of Sister Bay. And, and I hope they feel the same way as I do. And if they don't, that's okay. They can vote me out next time. <laughs> I couldn't have said that better. I concur, Chad. Yeah. Wow, Denise has never agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy that. Um, you know, but that does beg a question. How was this process of getting to this decision? I mean, this is the hard one for the village to make. So what was like the turning point, if there was one? Or was everyone on board? Well, obviously, we talked about this in closed session, and I made a presentation to the village board, and knowing that I probably had an uphill climb because we have invested so much in downtown, and we are financially strapped for a few more years. But just like when the Johnson property came up for sale, I mean, our vision for the Sister Bay waterfront, when we developed that and had those goals to purchase and open up that property, it was over a 10 to a 20 year span. Never in our wildest dreams did we think after we purchased the Helm property that a couple of years later, you know, the Johnsons would want to sell their store on the waterfront. And you have to bite the bullet. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And we did it. I think the board was was very pleased on what people said about that vision and saying, yes, I know my taxes are going to go up, but I think it's really the right thing to do. So I'm hoping that people look at this also as a once in a lifetime opportunity and you just have to take the plunge and hope that it works out. You know, you talk about that waterfront and yes, you had to accelerate your purchasing, but you also, by accelerating the purchasing, you accelerated the return on that investment too in that the sooner that waterfront got opened up, the sooner you saw businesses want to invest in that area and kind of revitalize everything. So there's that upfront cost. But, you know, if you plan on that being 20 years down the road and instead it happened five years, you're getting 15 extra years of the benefits of that. Absolutely. So 
There's a lot of different ways to look at it. It gets kind of crazy. I'm sure uh, a lot of representatives from the city of Sturgeon Bay call you all the time to ask about how things happen in Sister Bay. I've never once received one of those phone calls. I just had to stick that in there. <laughs> um, I say that because Sister Bay, that is the most ambitious waterfront project undertaken since probably the canal was dug back in the 1800s. And you would think there would be a lot to learn from Sister Bay, right and wrong. I'm sure you'd look back at your your time and go, oh, we should have done that differently, or, or we, maybe we screwed that up. But in general, I think most business owners would be pretty happy with the way things have turned out just by judging the, the cash registers. Absolutely. I mean, I, business owners, uh, you know, I'm sure some residents don't like the extra traffic, but I'm a resident. I live as close to that beach as anybody. And it's something special. I mean, it's it's great to be able to walk that whole waterfront. It's it's pretty awesome. I also think for years, um, not only was the Door County Visitor Bureau trying to attract more families to the county and that when I was on their board many years ago, it was tr- their focus. I think Sister Bay achieved that with the waterfront. And when you look out at the beach and everybody out there enjoying it, some of those families will return year after year after year, their children, their grandchildren, because they're making memories and it is a special place. So I think that's a great thing, that something that was targeted a while ago is actually coming to fruition in Sister Bay. I can't speak for other communities, but, boy, the families are just abound. They are, and it doesn't cost anything to go to the beach. You know, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, unless you park over a line and Denise gives you a ticket, it's free. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Love you, Denise. Uh, but it's great. I was there with family, uh, friends on Sunday, and I hadn't spent much time there this year. And we spent the whole day there, and the kids were swimming and jumping, and, and maybe my daughter was going out on that swim pier illegally. But um, <laughs> it, it's awesome. It's it's great for families to be able to come enjoy one of the most beautiful places that any of us have ever seen, and, and they don't have to pay for it. Those are two very good points of just the intergenerational aspect of that waterfront in that you have people with a lot of money who have beautiful boats down there hanging out. You have people with no money who need a free activity and just can't spend much and they can sit there all day with their two-year-olds wading into the water and stuff. And then you have the millennials and post-millennials like ourselves who are, or would that be pre-millennial? I think it'd be, pre- we're older than millennials. I was going <laughs> to say that, but walking around, grabbing a drink and strolling around and having, having fun. Like, and then you have other people later in the evening partying, enjoying music. It really does hit all the aspects down there that in a way that like, you know, a hotel can't do that. A specific business can't do that. But one big public amenity, one big public waterfront provides something for all those people. And and throw the silent sports people in there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. On paddle boards and things. So, Um, all right, before we all die here in, I think I changed it to the pod sauna now. It's getting pretty warm. I agree. It's toasty in here. Um, I thought I was nervous, but it's just hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> Sweat is just pouring down like buckets on our faces. No, but thank you both for making the, the trip down here and taking us through a little bit of what this, this purchase and this parcel is. Thank you, Miles. Thank you, Miles. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.